The Owner's Box is part of the In The Money Podcast Network. You can always log on to inthemoneypodcast.com where you can follow along. You can subscribe to the free newsletter. And not only do you have the Owner's Box, but also shows such as the Players Podcast, JK Plus One, The Matt Vernier Show, Redboard Rewind, Nick Luck Daily, Talk Racing to Me, In the Ring with Acacia Courtney, and Off Track with Maggie. So lots of great things to listen to. Just head over to inthemoneypodcast.com. Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Owner's Box. I'm Billy Koch, founder and managing partner at Little Red for the Racing Club. Joining me from Saudi Arabia is the great Michelle Yu. Michelle, how is Hi, Saudi Arabia? Hello. Uh, Saudi is great, actually. We went to the racetrack today, and then we went to a place called the Edge of the World, Ooh. which is like the Arabian Desert's version of the Grand Canyon. Uh, it is crazy beautiful, and we shot the open there, so that was fun. We spent the whole day doing that, and then uh, kind of got lost driving back home to the desert because it was just unmarked desert, and we left after dark. Oh, no. <laughs> Wow. So that what time is it there exciting. right now? Because it's it we're we're recording this uh at like twelve thirty Pacific. Yeah, so right now it's eleven thirty five PM and I have not slept since I left California Sunday afternoon. Like because um, because of the jet lag or you're or you just have so been like, so busy? On the flight I Or are really you drinking? Sleep. No, no, there's no drinking in, in Saudi. Um hmm. I didn't really I slept for like three hours on the flight and then I had like an eight hour layover. I didn't sleep. My second flight, I didn't sleep. I got here and I just had a bunch of issues in my room and I had to be up. Like by the time I got into my room and got into bed, it was almost 530 and I had to be up at eight. So I like laid down for three hours, but I didn't like sleep. Right. right. So uh, that's do they it. have like regular TV there? Like what do they have for you to watch? Or do you, like, uh, do you have Netflix? So I do have a TV in my room, but I I honestly have not turned it on because <laughs> all like we were out today the whole day. Right. Um, and who are like, you with? The, who, who well, right now crew? I'm by right now I'm by myself. I, okay. Uh, the crew is IMG, and the guys that are here are Tom Stanley, Nick Luck, and actually Matt Bernier. Oh, nice. Yeah, poor Matt. He's actually been here since Monday, and I haven't seen hide nor hair of him. Uh, I think the, the production crew, you have to kind of like chase them up to see what's going on. But that just comes from experience of coming. So he's just been on vacation, but I feel a little bad for him because he's been ignored. Oh, well, get him involved. He's a good man. I'm going to. Tomorrow well, I'm going to harass him and make him come do things with me. And what is the what is your kind of daily schedule? Will you be going to the track and doing updates this week before the big day? Is there anything? Yeah. So what are you tomorrow, most looking forward to besides the race? Um... I mean, the, the whole atmosphere around race day is cool. I really like shooting our opens, which is what we did today, because we get to go to some of the coolest places. Um, so that's really fun. Tomorrow is the draw. So Nick and I will be hosting that. Thursday morning, we'll be doing Breakfast with the Stars, which is where we go out to the track and, you know, just chit chat with whoever comes up and around us. And that's not televised anywhere. That's just like for the patrons on track. Oh, cool. And oh, then cool. Thursday night, we're doing dinner under the stars, mm. which is something new. But they've done like cocktail hour type thingies before. You just said they and, can't drink there. Yeah, it's all mocktails. Oh, so, mocktails. Like, this, yeah, this like amazing mint water. And they do like a tea ceremony. How is the food? 
So in general, the food has been good. Last year we stayed at a hotel and the guys were just like, you would order like butter chicken and you might get a pizza show up to your room, but like all the food tasted good. (laughs) It just wasn't very consistent with what you got. Um, Today, literally the only things I've eaten today are a uh, piece of pound cake this morning at the buffet. And then for lunch, we stopped and grabbed like shawarmas from like the side of the road. Ooh. They were all right. Okay. And then for dinner at our hotel, or we're staying in like these little apartments, uh, they had like a guy that was like grilling chicken. And I got actually really delicious, really juicy, lemony grilled chicken with um, okay. grilled vegetables. Fantastic. And it was really good. Okay. How many times have you FaceTimed your kids? That is hilarious that you said that um, because I have, I FaceTime them like, I don't know twice maybe because right. the time difference yeah you know? it's hard sure when i was in the airport um i facetimed olivia for like three hours though oh really yeah oh i bet she misses you yeah oh, all right she's let's get to it three things of note here on the owner's box this week we have a, oh by the way just for people listening we have a great guest his name is jake ballas uh, he's a very cool guy he's kind of a, a you know a big muckety muck in in lexington although he won't like me saying that but uh, he's just kind of a larger-than-life uh, guy, and he's got some great stories. And we're going to hear from him uh, coming up right you know, as soon as we get through uh, three things of note. So go ahead, Michelle. All right. So the first thing of note uh, is a little heartbreaking for me. But oh, no. it was announced that Medina Spirit has been DQ'd from the Kentucky Derby win. Um, they have gone as far as to take his name off of the I saw that. Churchill Downs. Now, that being said, the Baffert camp is going to appeal the ruling. And even uh, Garrett O'Rourke, who has been on our show and manages Jedmont Farms, the owners of Mandaloon, who was the runner-up and is now the official winner, are going no comment until all appeals have been done. Which is typical of Garrett O'Rourke, the classiness that, you know. And I saw, I saw, I think, a. I don't know, quote from Brad Cox saying, you know, it's not necessarily the way you want to become a Kentucky Derby winner. Um, Right. Michelle, you and I have not spoken much about Baffert. We've, you know, uh, obviously I have a relationship with him. You have a relationship with him. It's, um, I would say, I I don't even know if people care if they really want to hear from us because there's so much uh, vitriol uh, against him. And it's almost like, you're you're really paddling upstream if you start to try to defend him. Um, I think on a global scale, uh, I I just I know the guy. I know how much he loves his horses, and uh, that's really all I have to say. I, I I I've maintained since the start that I I just can't imagine that he's. Uh, you know, I'll say it, it dumb enough to do anything to jeopardize the Kentucky Derby because he cherishes it. It's what he does. So anyway. All the stuff, I, I know you've been quiet. Uh, I've probably been, I don't know, too quiet if you ask anybody in the uh, Baffert camp. But it's just one of those things that you just, I, that's not why people are tuning into the show to find out our opinions on these things. They're they're turning into the show to hear stories about owners, and we need to stick to that. So while we comment a lot on what's going on in the racing industry, I think this particular instance, you're right, it's a sad day. And it's a sad day for all of us. I agree. It is a very, it's a very sad day. Good. Sad day for our industry and we will uh, push on. So the second thing of note is just that the Saudi cup is obviously coming up this weekend 
And U.S. does have some rooting interests. We've got the now Kentucky Derby winner Mandaloon and his arch rival Midnight Bourbon. We've got Art Collector showing up in there. We've got Ginobili coming in. Uh, we've got Channel Cat. We've got. Um, but those Pinehurst. aren't those, are, those aren't all in the in the Saudi Cup race, Michelle. No, These are on, on the, the card. card. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the four the four we have in the actual Saudi Cup are Art Collector, Country Grammar, Mandaloon, and Midnight Bourbon. All right. And of those, who is your who is your kind of top pick of the U.S. contingent? I'm sure you probably like. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, I liked Mishrif last year. So you did I like. Oh, gonna... We love Mishrif. This like show should yeah. be called the Mishrif Show. I love it. Right. We love him. So I'm. Gonna, I, I still am a huge Mishrif fan. Um. You know, I don't know if I have a U.S. pick yet. Okay. Well, but okay. our show is on. Our show is going to be aired. Our next show is going to. We don't have another show before the race. I know. So maybe I know, just pick I'll one, tweet, just for fun. I'll tweet it out. All right. Um, let me ask you this: Who are you? Who maybe? How about a rooting interest, not a pick? That's different because then you can be wrong. Who will you be rooting for? I mean, I always refer just all the U.S. people, right? Like, right. I think it would be cool for. Here's the thing: I think it would be very validating for Mandaloon to win, just because a, a number of his wins have come via disqualification. It would be nice for him to win something outright to actually prove that he deserves to be talked about as much as he is. Okay. I also. That's fair was a huge fan of midnight bourbon all year last year i don't necessarily know if he is like a plus 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 tier to like win all these but you gotta love a consistent horse who tries and he does look big and strong so i think that's really great so i okay. would absolutely love to see him win all right totally fair okay all right. how about you i hadn't even thought about it until this second to be honest with you um of those four uh, yeah i like your rationale about mandaloon i'm gonna agree with you I, I think it'd okay. be I think it'd actually be good timing for him to put up the performance of a lifetime. But I I know how good Mishref is, and I don't really know much about the other European horses uh, contingent, I should say. So um, tough to make a pick, but of the U.S. horses, I think Mandaloon is is probably our best shot. Okay. All right. Sounds. Good. What's the, the third? third thing? The third thing of note is kind of random, I guess. Okay. Um. It- it is a fact that it was announced that Churchill Downs is going to acquire um, a big gambling platform type thing, including Colonial Downs, for $2.4 billion. Did you put your um, finger on your on your, uh, on your your uh, mouth my, like Dr. Evil? Lip. Can you do that again and yeah. say it properly? $2.4 billion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if people listen to the show and laugh as much as we do. <laughs> like I know, like I want to, you know, I know there's certain people out there that always listen. Um, you know, especially Bill Strauss, and we got to get Bill his Strauss. name in. Um, I wonder if he's just on his walk down in Del Mar and just like listening and just actually just starts cracking up. Or Two, if he thought that in his head before I even did it. Probably 2.4 billion. Uh, all right, Michelle. Well, that those are those are big, big, big things going on. Big things in the industry. We uh, we always take a look at that. Of three things of note, and what we're going to do now is we'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll get to Jake Ballas. Fair. Cool. Looking for a good stallion in 2022 for your mare? How about well, this? yes, I am. I knew you always are, Michelle. But how about this roster at Taylor Made Stallions? Are you ready for this, Michelle? I'm ready. Instagram. Remember him? Oh yeah. Instilled regard, grade one winner. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Midnight Storm, one of our favorite horses, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mishawish, uh, Not This Time, who every time I look up, it seems like Not This Time has a win. Do you agree with that? Yes. He's the, he's the leading second episode this week uh, in a stake on right. Sunday at the fairgrounds. And how about new to TaylorMade in 2022? They have Nick's Go. All he did was win the Breeders' Cup Classic and probably be Horse of the Year. And I think this is one of your favorite horses, Tacitus. Remember Tacitus? Oh, Tacitus. Yes. You love Tacitus. <laughs> this is all at TaylorMade Stallions. Call Travis White today and get your mare to TaylorMade. And we're back here on the Owner's Box. Very special guest today. It's Jake Ballas, the founder and managing partner. He stole that from me uh, of Black Type Thoroughbreds. Jake, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Well, Michelle, you know, we're excited to have you because, you know, when I when I kind of spent some time in Lexington, you're kind of a superhero there. Tell us a little bit about, but before we get into that, we want to talk about your history and how you, you kind of got into ownership. It was a family affair, I imagine. It was. It was um, back in the mid-'80s. My dad owned several pretty good horses. One of them was was Groovy, and the second one was uh, Goodbye Halo. Oh, and he actually he actually sold he sold Goodbye Halo after they they won the Demonzel. Um, so ever since then, where I tell people I've made a lot of mistakes when not selling because he had seller's remorse, obviously. Um, so we've made <laughs> we've made plenty of mistakes by by getting some offers and uh, and choosing not to sell. And uh, that I learned that from him. So I've, hopefully I've learned uh, from that mistake and uh, make the right decisions going forward. But you know I was. I don't remember a lot of that time. I was six, seven, eight years old, uh, living in Houston, and you know back then Texas wasn't you know, big into racing. And Dad got out of the business, and I graduated college. And you know I've always I always followed racing because you know as a kid that's what we watched. But having no friends of interest following it, you kind of lose track. Um, and so I was an athlete. Got out of college. Wait, wait, wait. Just stop for a second. You got to stop. You got to stop. You can't just brush by college and athlete. Like, tell us a little bit about that, my friend. You can brag. This is what the show is about. about Billy playing baseball in college. I mean, that's what the show is. You can't just brush (laughs) by. He's like the Al Bundy of college baseball. (laughs) (laughs) I played basketball at University of Houston and I played there for a couple years. Clyde Drexler was my coach. It was just. kind of weird how it happened my dad's business partner he's in commercial real estate background his business partner was Akeem Olajuwon so I grew up oh, with Akeem the dream and and so when you know he played at University of Houston Clyde retired when I was a senior in high school took the head job at University of Houston I was going to Pepperdine or Texas A&M and then I got talked in by Akeem hey go to University of Houston be a walk-on uh, play well they'll give you a scholarship and I did I played a lot as a true freshman they gave me a scholarship and um what were you known for hurt. Jake what was your game what was your what was your game uh, taking charges no I know that I'm trying to find oh taking <laughs> no, charges I, that a, was you it's a good question because you know it's a good question so it, it was it was weird I went to college and all of a sudden I forgot how to shoot and <laughs> Literally, I just fouled people, took charges. I was just kind of a, I was a very undersized spinner slash power forward. You were a glue guy. And, you know, high school. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just, 
this is what I tell people all the time. And it makes me mad when I see a bunch of people with a, a lot of ability that don't take it serious or don't try hard because I could not run, couldn't jump, but I tried harder than everybody. And so I earned playing time and I did well, but it was just because I was, I tried pretty hard. Yeah, it's it, um, the, all it's the good. little things that don't show up in the box score. That's Jake Ballas. Would you say that that's true? I was watching a, I was, I was listening to a highlight <laughs> one time when I was a, a sophomore, I believe, or whatever, whatever year I was. And the announcer said I'd led conference USA in charges taking. <laughs> so I said, well, at least I, I'm on, I'm on the box score for doing something that, that helps my team. Um, so I, I have, was a guy that just dove on the ground and got hurt all the time. Yeah, do you, that's why you and I are so like. I I don't know if I've said this on the show. Michelle will make fun of me, but I set the Northwestern school record for being hit by pitch in a single season in nineteen ninety one. We're not afraid of contact. No, you no. guys are literally the Al Bundys of sports. Yeah, we're right just now. idiots. I also a single game at Kai. Wait, I have one more quick note before we get to Jake's horse racing story. The first dog that I ever got as an adult was a little black lab and when I went to pick him up he had a red collar on and we named him Clyde after Clyde Drexler true story oh get out of here yeah you know I, I, I still I still will talk to one. Clyde I'll, I'll still talk to Clyde to this day the, he was, he was he's a really good guy all right I'm sure our audience right now is right. like, what are they talking about let's get back to horses so you're growing up you get out of the business a little bit you go to college and what happens mm-hmm. how, do, how do you get back into the game Jake especially back into ownership so when I when I graduated, my old man asked me. He says, "What do you want for graduation?" Uh, I said, "Yeah, I don't really, I don't need anything. I don't know." And, um, I said, "You know, we used to go to Saratoga as a kid. I would kind of like to go back there. I hadn't been since probably I was six or seven. So he rents a house and for a week. He said, "Here, I'll pay for you to go up for the week. Go by yourself." Wow. So I said, "What? What am I? What am I going to do by myself? Since I don't know one person." So right. I get up there in the first couple of days. I'm just walking around drinking some beer and just literally going to bars afterwards. So this was 2003. So he says, why don't you need to go find Cordero? Cordero wrote for me. He's a good friend, but he didn't have his number. So I'd, oh, I we didn't even have cell phones in 2003. No, no, no. I wasn't, I couldn't <laughs> even like Google. I couldn't Google on my phone to be like, what does this guy even look like? Right. You know, I just knew he, I, I'm real tall. He's real short. That's about all I, I knew. So I was sitting at the city tavern on a Monday night and I'm complaining to the bartender saying, where can I go? Where's some action? Where are there going to be girls at? And he said, well, tonight uh, there's a, a jockey's party because nobody works on Tuesdays. You know, I didn't even know what dark day was. But I, okay. that's cool. So I go upstairs a couple hours later, there's two guys in the corner and they're both short. I figured they're in the industry. <laughs> and I walked up to the guy and I said, you know, I'm sorry to bother you two. And I mean, this place was packed. And I said, I'm sorry to bother you two, but I'm looking for Angel Cordero if you guys can help. And this guy looks up at me and he says, if you don't kiss, uh, kick my ass, I'm Angel. Oh, what? that's amazing. So I said, and he was with Jose Santos. And because I said, well, you, my name's Jake Ballas. You and my father's horse, Groovy. And then Jose Santos said, I rode Groovy as well. So the next night, Angel took me to dinner. The following year, he takes me to the Derby, and I sit in Pletcher's box with Angel and some other people for about three years in a row. And then Angel wow. says, you know, we need to buy you a horse. 2008 run, comes around, he 
he um two parts of this story he calls me and said there's a gray horse and the one at Calder maybe and we need to buy it for 200,000 so then he calls me back and we agree he calls me back and says they actually are going to someone's going to purchase it without vetting the horse oh if you want if you can if you want to match that without vetting you can have it but I wouldn't do that right I said Angel we don't know anything go ahead we'll pass so that horse ends up being Vineyard Haven. Oh, we did the same thing. Like, so where they sold for like twelve a million or some oh yeah golly number. And so then the next horse, a couple weeks later, you want to buy this horse out of Remington or somewhere. And so we do. That horse's name was joining the dance, and he wins for us at Saratoga. And we're in second in the Tampa Derby, and we make the Kentucky Derby. And the first year that we owned a horse. That's amazing. Since, you know, getting out of the game. And so I said, man, this is a lot of fun. And this is very easy. (laughs) Just so you know, the theme, the theme of our show every week is how hard it is. So it's, it's perfect that you said how easy it is. It's the fun part still exists. The easy part, not so much. Yeah. But that's amazing though. The first real horse that you bought when you guys got back in the game was joining the dance and you bought them privately. We bought them privately and we, um, Paid two hundred and fifty thousand, and at the time, wow. I mean, it still is a whole bunch of money. But one of my partners was Richard Lewis, who just signed a hundred something million dollar contract at Orlando, and a couple of other my buddies, and one of them is a big partner in my syndicate that we started a couple of years ago. But that was his first horse, and we all put up twenty five thousand dollars. Wow! And you know, at the time, it was like, holy moly, man, we're young, we shouldn't be doing this. And so that was that was our first that was our first horse. And, you know, it's probably my what, favorite horse we've ever owned. Jake, I want to ask real quick, uh, what did Angel tell you about the horse? What did he like about him? Or were you just like, if you like him, I'm good? I just said, if you like same what you just said, I do nothing, okay? I mean, I, I didn't know a thing about physical confirmation. I knew none of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did have some friends in Lexington that, oh, you ran a slow speed figures, which I wasn't even gambling much of the time. So I let him just run with it, and he could do whatever he want, wanted. He picked Todd. I said, perfect. Here, he's the best in the country. And that was, that was it. That was, but then, since then is when Angel started teaching me a lot when I was around him at the barn. And that's why I just – and I started bringing him to the sales so he could teach me more because, you know, he's been around horses his entire life, and he's ridden some good ones. So I figured if anybody can teach me, it's someone that knows what a good horse is. Yeah, he likes to do that. He likes to do that, Michelle and Jake. You know, I know that he works a lot with young jockeys in New York. I heard there used to be like Monday night dinners and stuff like that. Um, Jake Ballas, black type thoroughbreds. Michelle, go. When you were talking to Angel originally about getting a horse, uh, you know, you mentioned the first one you guys looked at going around two hundred thousand. You end up buying joining the dance for two fifty. Was that like a budget going in, or was that just the horse that popped up and he was like, "Can you afford it?" Yes or no. There was no, but like, as far as the budget, we had no idea what we were going to spend. Uh, if you would have called and said 400, we would have said no. Okay. Um, it was just, it just kind of popped up. And when they, the first one was 200,000. So we figured, you know, we'd be in that range and we had enough people together to where we could spend 25,000, 50,000. And if it didn't work out, it wasn't going to affect anyone's lives. Uh, it was just trying to get our feet in the water. So no, he, he really, there was no game plan. There was no business model. 
it was just let's buy a horse and see if we can't run in big races. And you've cool. certainly done that, obviously, Jake. And but and it seems to me that though the business model, because you talked a little bit about sales, but it seems to me that the the primary business model is trying to find these kind of, and I'll call them big. You can use that as mm-hmm. more expensive uh, private purchases, like a horse, like past the champagne. Tell us a little bit about her story mm-hmm. when what what went on with her because she had quite a year last year. Yeah, so you know. On the private market, as you know, one is just very difficult to buy horses. Correct. And I think and you obviously you know a lot more about them once they've run, which means they're going to be a lot more expensive. But I was uh, I was sitting just watching racing, and I see a Rusty Arnold horse that took a whole bunch of money. And I think it was twelve to one or fifteen one morning line, and I look up, it's three or four to one. And I watched the race, and she had a, just a terrible trip. And Louis Saez, she didn't break well, and she rushed herself up, got checked. Went, anyway, it was just a bad trip, and she ran out for a second and got beat about seven lengths. So I looked down and said, I mean, who owns this? And Pat Madden. Was, so if anybody, everybody that knows in the industry, Pat Madden, he's not a seller. And everyone I talked to said, don't waste your time, don't waste your time. Right. So sure enough, I get a hold of him. And <laughs> sure enough, you don't Pat, listen to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, at least, I mean, I want to hear for myself if, uh, if they're telling the truth. So he says, you know, I'm not a seller. I said, yeah, I know that's what I heard, but any price that you'd sell her at, I don't know. And this went on for three weeks. So you've bought a lot of horses privately. They typically happen pretty quick. Yes. And he calls and well, now he's on a boat and you can't even get in touch with the guy. Right. And so, and I kept saying, I said, man, we got to buy this horse. There's a race February 27th, made in special way. We win, then we go to an Oaks prep. So there was kind of a timeline for us. So finally he calls me one day and he, he knew my dad way back in the day. So he starts talking about my dad and putting things together. And he says, now, now the highest offer was 450,000. Wow. That wasn't mine. That wasn't mine. Right. So, um, so he says, look, I don't want you to get mad. I'm going to give you a number, but I'm not a seller. So he gives me a number and it was a lot more than that 450. And I said, okay, let, let me just go look at the horse in the morning. And there was just silence. <laughs> Cause he wasn't expecting that. And he I was like, yeah, he was like, uh Oh, yeah, it was silence, and he's like, oh, he kind of stuttered. Okay, okay, well, let me call Rusty. So I called George Weaver, our trainer, and I thought he was going to laugh and just say, yeah, right. And and in all fairness, I wanted him to laugh and say, yeah, right. Right. Because I thought it was just an, it was a huge number. So I said, hey, George, I want this. He said, okay, good. Tell him, see if I can't go tomorrow morning around 10. Oh, wow. I said, I said well, man, you know, we partner with Randy Hill a lot, and so I called Randy. I said, "Randy, George is going to go with his horse." I know. I told him I'll take half. I said, "All right." So wow. now everyone's on board. I'm, I can't. I can't be the one that backs out. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. And so the people that I called to partner, I said it's going to take about five hundred. Right. So now I'm calling them back, saying, "You know what, guys? It's going to be more. It's a couple hundred. It's going to be <laughs> couple, two or three hundred more than five hundred. Right. And uh, so." And luckily, they all had, you know, they all trusted me and had faith. And George calls in the next morning because says, "Hey, Jake, she's gorgeous." 
So I told uh, called Mr. Madden back. So sure enough, we get her two weeks before uh, she runs the maiden for race. us. Right. Right. So she had already run second. Right. So George gets her, and he could only work her one time, and he was so nervous. She works like fifty-two. Oh, and he wow. says, "Man, I don't want to screw something up. I don't." Right. I don't right. Know her. Easy half. Right. So she wins, and she does it really nice. And so now, and I've never ever. I felt more pressure on a maiden special than I have in any race I've ever run in. Wow. I mean, well, yeah, of course. Kentucky Derby Breeders' Cup. There was We went to the Ashland right after that. There was zero pressure. Right, because you, and, you've already kind of been right. I tell people all the time, it's like, it's not necessarily about the purse, the money, the, the thing. It's just, sometimes it's about just being right. That's a thousand percent. And when you ask people to write a substantial check and you're wrong, it's you sucks. feel really, really bad. Oh, it sucks. Yeah, and it's you just kind of want to crawl in a hole, right? And I've and I've done it before, um, not the whole part, but the wrong part. Jake, I want and, to ask just a real quick question yeah. that, that right here. Did you ever think about partnering like with someone in, in those instances besides like your group? I mean, like letting someone stay in on a horse, or do you always want yeah, to take over? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we. So on that one, I put you know Randy Hill. I put Black Type in. There's a group called rock ridge they uh i know the the fam their family they're based out of lexington and uh, he was one of the the guys that i called and he agreed to buy 30 percent, i think at a or 20 percent, something at a yeah around four or five hundred but and um and then black ridge which is just a coincidence they're they've been around so i put together i think five people right and i did i did give madden the option to stay in and at first he said he would stay in for up to 40%. Ooh. And I just got lucky. And I got lucky and everybody I called said, okay. That's amazing. So then I That's called amazing. Madden back after telling him, I think you can stay in to tell him, no, we sorry. You can't no. stay in. <laughs> yeah. He was like, didn't I and, tell you I'm not a seller? <laughs> yeah. It's also, right. it's also interesting. And Jake, maybe talk about this and then we can go on. Uh, and it, because sure. she had a, really nice i mean she on second in yeah. the ashland that was so excited you talked about that obviously gets to the kentucky oaks has a brutal trip we don't even need to go there but sure when you're buying private purchases and you do this um there's so many ways to structure a deal whether a person stays in there are kickers i'm not even sure people you know who mm -hmm. are listening to understand that talk a little bit about your strategy when you go in to try to buy a horse and what things you can throw out at them at the seller Tip typically i want to make it a win-win. I don't want think. I don't want anyone to think I'm trying to, you know, just get a bargain deal for one and insult people. But you know, ideally, I always say we'll buy 100%, 75%, 50%. You know, if we can move from that trainer. Now, we bought horses where we leave with the current trainer, so that's not the end-all, be-all. You know, but one of my large partners is George Weaver's biggest client, so I can't. Mm -hmm have him involved and not have we sure. you know so then i go to other resources but you know we offered on champagne we did we offered kickers and what billy said was a lot of people don't know what they are it's just incentives if a horse wins x you pay out another number so it's for the the seller to kind of stay involved and have an incentive to uh, follow her career and almost tag along with you guys so we have done incentives before um, some people don't like them they'd rather have all the money up front um, but it is, we keep talking about things are not easy and that more things are difficult. Private purchases are, 
I mean, they're so tough because most people don't want to sell. Right. And no matter what number you throw out at them. And you can't just keep going, <laughs> which Jake, we almost you, did with Pastor Champagne. Right. Jake, when you're buying uh, when you're buying a horse, do you only think about their value as a racehorse, or are you in the breeding game as well, and you're thinking, oh, well, if it doesn't pan out, it'll be a good brood bear? Uh, both. I mean, we I got to factor in both sides of it, and that can allow me to go further, you know, on a horse. If if I think a horse is worth 100000 at the end of the day, you know, I can pay that much more. Um, just so we get some money back. Now, we have focused on fillies for that exact reason. So hopefully we can get some black type, win a greatest stake, and we can make a profit. Um, where the Colts, I mean, it's all or nothing. Right. But and it is to sell them at the end. So even if they're going to make a good broodmare, you're not in the breeding business. No, the way my partnerships are structured, every horse has to be sold either privately or at a public auction. Uh, we, we breed a little bit, but not through my syndicate. No, okay. they will be, they will be sold at a, at a public auction. Jake Bellis joining us from black type thoroughbreds. Now you have another really nice filly that made her 2022 debut, uh, last weekend. And that's hidden connection who also finished fourth in the British. Juvenile. She comes back and runs fourth in the Rachel Alexandra. Now you, Jake, you, you seem like a very, very reasonable guy. Obviously expectations are sky high for this filly as her in, as she goes into her three-year-old year, but to finish fourth in that race is that's a great start or were you disappointed? You know, you're always disappointed when I was disappointed. We didn't get third because it was a grade two and we got nosed out for third, which would have meant a little bit to her value at the end of the day. Sure. Now, you know, she, she didn't run any good at the Breeders' Cup. So there's could be several factors, the shipping, didn't like the surface, stumbled at the break, whatever excuse you could have, she didn't run good. So in the back of my mind, man, was that just a fluke? I hope it's not. Sure. Um, so you want her to run well just to prove you can draw a line through that Breeders' Cup race, and which she did. And she's been training good ever since we got her back. But Brett told me she's not training exceptional like she used to hmm. until her last work. He called me after the last work and said, that was the old hidden connection. I wish it was two or three weeks ago, but she's back to her old self. And he said, I hope it's enough. So knowing she wasn't a hundred percent, like she would still work, you know, a minute to fifth, but they're urging her where last year she would go 59 and they're slowing her down. Right. Mm-hmm. And until the last work, he said she did it easy when a minute flat out on 112, and he was very happy. So I'm very optimistic she's going to take a big step forward. And, you know, at the end of the day, maybe distance, maybe she's going to be distance limited. I don't think so based on her pedigree. And she won the Pocahontas by nine going a mile and a 16th. So I don't think it's going to be distance, but if it is, it's no big deal. We can one more shot of the Oaks and cut her back after that. Right. So what's, what's next for hidden connection in your mind you may not even have plans. It just happened. Most likely it would be the fairground Oaks. And, right. You know, it's either that keep or the home. Ashland and the Ashland. Yeah. We'll probably just keep her home. I, you know, she is a little bit of a nervous filly, so I don't know if shipping um, is the best thing for her, but ultimately, you know, it's, and that's what, you know, it's breast decision as the owner. All we can do is send a trainer a horse, maybe have an opinion on a jockey. Other than that, I don't 
try not to tell trainers what to do. Um, it's interesting you say that. And I know Michelle has a question. Is it about that, Michelle? Uh, kind of, kind of. My my question, Jake, is really about like, what's your favorite role that you play in your syndicate? Is it finding the horse? Is it managing the horse? I would say it's probably finding the horse and in managing it is very critical because of your partners, right? Like to me, if, if I own a horse hundred percent, this is what Cordero always taught me. Send a horse to the trainer, let the trainer do the job. If you go tell him what to do, just move the horse. <laughs> he said, if you have, if you hire a chef, you don't go tell him how to cook. You just get another chef. Right. So he said, find a trainer you like. And so you don't tell them how to do their job. And I strongly believe that because they know how to train. I don't. Sure. Now, I can look I can look at a condition book just like a trainer can, and I can suggest some things based on handicapping. But at the end of the day, the trainer knows way more about the horse than we do, especially because I'm not there every day looking at the horse. Mm-hmm. So, but managing it for my partners is very important because they want to know information every week. How'd the right. horse work? Do it easy, fast, slow. And a lot of them are new, so you have to just kind of talk in layman's terms and just explain things very simple. So communication with the trainer, and that goes about managing. You need to send horses, I think, if you're in a partnership, to someone you can talk to. Because yep. if not, partners are going to gripe. Yep. And then you, know, you don't want to make up information to give them. No, you do not so, want to do that. Do think, <laughs> no, That's bad. No. But this is the closest thing in the world to owning like your own sports franchise. Yeah. And so to me, scouting the horses is the most fun. It's like being in a, in a war room, I guess, trying to draft players. You're going to be right. You're going to be wrong. You're going to be wrong more than you're right. But when you do find that one, it is very, very gratifying. Sure is. Jake, Go ahead, Michelle. Kind of touches back on the beginning when you said that you really don't like to sell now because your dad had seller's remorse at one point. Have you ever had any not seller's regret? Like, oh man, I should have sold. Yeah. And then that's where I've learned from my mistakes. So we had, we had cigar street. We bought it at a two year old sale for 130,000 and he won a second start for us with a 99 buyer going a mile and a 16th. I believe and he was street since his first crop His damn was a half to cigar. We got offered a lot of money and so I sat down and said, well, hell, we're going to go to Louisiana Derby and be the first or second choice. And we're going to go back to the Kentucky Derby pretty quickly after joining the dance did. And he runs the Louisiana Derby, runs fourth. And we ran him back three weeks rest, and then he gets hurt. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, looking back on it now, especially with the Colt, absolutely. Because yeah. we could have sold for a whole bunch of money and those – Especially then, it's it's life changing because you can take a lot of that and reinvest it in the game. Um, makes a lot of had, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we had we had Mean Season, who I bought at a sale. He'd run once. He was at a racing age sale. He ran like an eighty buyer first out. We paid one hundred and fifty. I sent him to Bill Mott. And he runs in an A other than first off for us, and he runs a one hundred and seven buyer. Wow. And I think he ran a three and a half on the sheets. And we got offered a bunch of money again, but of course I said, man, I, like, I haven't seen a horse on this fast in a long time. Yeah. So we don't sell the next race. We're going to go run in a, oh, I'm on a blank now. It's a grade three up there sprinting. It doesn't matter. We're race two 
that stick race is race three. We chose to go to the allowance. We run off the screen again, get a 105 buyer. Horse pulls up after the wire, doesn't come back to the window circle. Uh. Gets, an, gets an involution fracture. Uh. And then he, he did come back, but he was just never the same. Yeah. So, right. yeah, again, between those two races, yeah, you wish you would have sold a piece of them then. Um, so, yeah, there's there's plenty of instances. And that's where I think I've learned, and I won't, I won't let that happen again, especially now that I do have a syndicate. Before, it was just us and a couple of buddies. Sure. So now that I'm responsible, I'm, I'm responsible for a lot more people. So I won't, I won't let that happen again. Jake mm-hmm. Bellis, uh, really good insight. But give us uh, one piece of advice for a new owner that's coming into the game that that you think is probably the most important. And you've given us a lot of advice already and a lot of knowledge. But give us one more kind of, hey, this is the thing you really need to know. Surround yourself with people that you. 100% trust. And, you know, we've, I've made mistakes in that department. I won't get into it. Um, and I would surround yourself with people and do not go in head first. I would have a budget and a plan. And, and the main bit of advice is be okay with whatever money you put up, be okay with losing it. <laughs> and I tell true. every partner, I tell every partner that from the get go. You know, we'll do two ten thousand dollars shares, but I say, don't give me money that you need. Hopefully, we can make money, and we we've, we've proven we can on certain horses. We've got beat on a couple horses, but don't give me money that that you need, because uh, I, I just won't. I don't. I won't take you as a partner, and it's way too risky uh, if you're going to get mad if you lose money. And I, so I think that's yeah. probably the most important. No, it's really that. That's great advice. Good advice. We appreciate it, my friend. I'm sure I will see you in April at Keeneland. And we will have uh, a couple beers. For yeah. sure. Yes. Michelle, you- thank you so much. Enjoy being overseas. Uh, thanks, Jake. I appreciate it. Maybe I'll see you at our next Derby Roundtable. We can yeah, have absolutely. beer, too. We can all have sure. beer. All right, all right Jake Ballas. Thank <laughs> you, buddy. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Bill. All right, Thanks, bye-bye. Jake. That's Jake Ballas here on the Owner's Box. We'll be right back. Just a reminder that the Ship and Win program is still in effect for Santa Anita Park, a $5,000 bonus for out-of-state horses, plus a 35% purse bonus to the horse's earnings in its initial start. Horses must have made their last start outside California and have not started in California in the last 12 months. First-time starters and stakes horses are not eligible for the program, but do remember we have fantastic winter turf racing. We've got our turf shoot, so now we can write races at five, five and a half, six, six and a half, as well as six and a half down the hill, plus those wonderful two-turn races and the idyllic Southern California weather. Well, that was cool. Yeah, good get, Billy. I like to have, you know what? I I feel like it's great the owners that we get, but it's really cool to have like a quote unquote celebrity owner as well. You think Jake um, is just, a celebrity? I mean, yeah, kind of. <laughs> In his own mind, maybe that's. I, yeah. I don't think he's more of a celebrity than you are. Oh please! I think you Anyone are the biggest celebrity like on the show. Sport, their life, they have. They're like a celebrity. No, I think you are the celebrity on this show. Hardly. I think you are. Stop. Please stop. But, you know, no, look, Jake, Jake is a good guy. He's one of those guys that, you know, he's real, he's real tall. He's a big dude. And he's, he, what's that? 
He's a basketball player. He's got yeah, to be tall. But he's also but he's also you know, I think in the intro I said he's kind of larger than life. Like he's one of these guys that when you meet him, you you just you instantly kind of like him. You know, he's he's right. he's funny, he's always got a smile on his face, he's a happy go lucky guy, he likes to have a beer. You know what I'm saying? He's one of those guys that you just um there's a lot to like about him, I guess. When especially that I first agree. impression. Does that make sense? Yep. So, um, all right, Michelle, what, uh, oh, I'm supposed to do this. What's coming up at San Diego yeah, this weekend? Do this because you're in... I don't have, uh, Mike, in Saudi, there is no gambling. So I can't access any gambling websites. Um, so I don't know what's going on at San Anita. You'll okay, have to tell well, us. Here's what's going on at San Anita, Michelle. There is a stake race on Saturday. It's the $75,000 wishing well for older fillies and mares coming down the hill. Uh, there's also uh, on Saturday one of my favorites, the chili cookoff, and you laugh. Ooh, yeah, yum. Yes, yes, yum is I right because it's so good. You go down there, you pay like twenty bucks, and then you get like five different types of chili, and you find out the one you like, and then you you actually buy that. So, um, I'm gonna be real honest with you. I did have uh, two hot dogs uh, on Monday, holiday Monday. The two dollar hot dogs at Santa Anita are so good. I don't know why they're so yeah. good. I don't know, but my kids wanted them really bad, and uh, Ryan, my mo- my mother-in-law was there, Ryan's mom, and she was like, I'll get you guys hot dogs, and Ryan took the kids back to the barn. Well, the line was so long at that point to get hot dogs, my mother-in-law went to Schnitzel and oh, got them no. hot dogs. And did they she know? gave it to the kids. Nope. They were like, we love them. Thank you. Oh, my <laughs> That is funny. The li- I have to say, I- I'm going on a tangent here, but the, the-, the Santa Anita was packed on Monday. Yeah, good. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if it was just the holiday or the $2 hot dogs or the dollar beers. It was, it was really, really crowded. It was nice. Like the uh, people screaming when the horses are coming down the lane, it was really, really uh, a good day. And, and it makes me think that they should have $2 hot dogs and $1 beers every day. Like, why not? Oh my gosh. The concession people would hate you for the $2 hot dogs every day. They go through. It's crazy the amount of hot dogs people eat on $2 hot dog day. Plus, I would be so fat. Fat. Actually, I already am fat. I'd be fatter. (laughs) (laughs) What do you put on your hot dog? All right. Special thanks to uh, Jake Ballas for coming on the show today. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Santa Anita and Del Mar and uh, TaylorMade Stallions. And uh, we are part of the In The Money Media Network. They do a great job. Uh, and uh, it's been great, Michelle. And I hope you have a very, very gr- a fantastic weekend at Saudi. Go United States. I'm sure you will do a great job. You always do a great job on those broadcasts. In fact, I think I'm the first person to always compliment you, right? Yes, usually. Thank and you. I haven't, and I have not heard you say you guyses in some time. So you obviously are working on your skills. I am. I, I, every time I even think about saying you guys, your voice is in my head. So. I'm not going to. That's a beautiful thing to have my voice (laughs) in your head at all times. That's amazing. All right, Michelle, um, go to bed because I know you're tired. So go to sleep. Have a great, great weekend. And we'll see you guys next week. You guys is next week on the, uh, (laughs) the owner's box. Bye.